This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of interviewing uh, Dr. Yufeng Wang and Matt Ballo uh, from the Department of Radiation Oncology West Cancer Center in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, the reason for the podcast is a recent publication in JAMA on a paper titled Comparison of Chemotherapy versus chemotherapy plus total hysterectomy for women with uterine cancer with distant organ metastases. So um, welcome and thank you so much, Yufeng and Matt, for uh, joining me on this uh, podcast. A really great article and uh, I've seen already a lot of uh, traffic and uh, social media about uh, the article itself as well. So uh, really looking forward to speaking with you both. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much for the invitation. Of course. So um, we got lots of questions, and hopefully we'll be able to cover them all during uh, the discussion. So I'm going to start off with uh, Yufeng. Um, first question, approximately 10% of patients with uterine cancer present with advanced disease. The argument is often, you know, do I go to surgery immediately and then um, uh, chemotherapy or straight to chemotherapy? Where are we on this topic as it relates to the current literature? Advanced uterine cancer includes two subgroups. Number one, uterine cancer with the pelvic abdominal metastasis. Number two, uterine cancer with distant organ metastasis. For uterine cancer with pelvic abdominal metastasis, there were several studies, including a meta-analysis published on Oncology Oncology on 2010 reports there is a survival benefit associated with cytoreductive surgery in addition to systemic therapy. However, there is a very limited study about using definitive surgery, total abdominal hysterectomy, TAH, for uterine cancer with distant organ metastasis. The main treatment for this patient is chemotherapy. So uh, w one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and perhaps we could turn over to Matt uh, Bala for this. Uh, what do we know regarding the NCCA guidelines today for these patients with advanced endometrial cancer? What, what are the guidelines telling us? So, I mean, as you know, right now the guidelines are, are, are pretty straightforward. Um, they recommend a total abdominal hysterectomy with uh, debulking, mm -hmm. along with systemic therapy for patients who have pelvic or uh, confined abdominal metastases. Um, but for patients with distant organ metastases, traditionally, you know, we would treat these patients with systemic chemotherapy alone, mm -hmm. and we would really reserve uh, abdominal hysterectomy for, for only those patients that are symptomatic. So what, what we're looking at in this paper is a, is a different approach. Yeah, and, and that gets me then to the next question with regards to the, the driver for, for this particular study. What was the primary objective in this study? And the driving question for the study, also objective, is to understand the role of using definitive local therapy, definitive local surgery, TAH, for uterine cancer with distant organ metastasis. In our study, we evaluated the overall survival for patients with distant organ metastasis treated with chemotherapy alone versus chemotherapy plus TAH. 
Great. And then with regards to, and, and Matt, I think, alluded to this, uh, that this is a, a unique somewhat of a patient population with regards to the, the spread of disease. So what was the inclusion criteria specifically for this study and some of the exclusion criteria as well? Right. So we used the National Cancer Database uh, to identify patients that were newly diagnosed, and we were specifically looking for a, a group of patients that had metastases to the brain, the lung, the liver, bone, or uh, distant lymph nodes. And so all of these patients received uh, chemotherapy with or without the abdominal hysterectomy. And, and to sort of narrow it down, we excluded patients that either had no treatment, they had definitive pelvic radiotherapy, meaning high doses of pelvic radiotherapy, uh, or those patients that were missing any sort of baseline variables. All those patients were excluded. So we're looking at newly diagnosed uterine cancer with distant metastases. Yeah, and and, and to that point then is uh, my next question, because I think it's, it's important to clarify that um, to the uh, to the audience, and, and I think also a lot of the comments that I saw uh, going back and forth in social media is that this this is not a patient population where uh, you have metastases to the pelvic lymph nodes or just in the upper abdomen. These are like truly distant metastatic disease patients. Um, so then to, to that point, I think some might argue and say, well, why specifically were you interested in that patient population? As we discussed it, uh, in the beginning, we know there's a survival benefit for TH with debulking for a patient uh, with abdominal or pelvic metastasis. However, we don't know if there's any survival benefit for doing definitive surgery for this group of patients with decent organ metastasis. Mm-hmm. Therefore, in the study, we, slay, we select those patients that truly have decent metastasis to brain, to lung, to liver, to bone, or distant lymph nodes. Yeah, so I think it's basically asking that that question that we always have had. It's that, you know, these patients with all of these distant metastatic disease, doesn't matter if you remove the primary site of disease. Uh, So with that then, Matt, what were the main findings of of the study? Okay, so we looked at the database and identified patients between 2010 and 2014 Uh, there were 3,197 uterine cancer patients that sort of fit our criteria of having distant organ metastases. Uh, Most of these patients had lung metastases. That's about 1,544 patients. But there were patients with liver metastases, lymph node metastases, bone, and then brain metastases. Uh, And in that last group, there were only 56 patients. Um, But among these patients, 1,809 received chemotherapy alone, and 1,388 received chemotherapy plus abdominal hysterectomy. And so this is really getting at the question. And and with a median follow-up of 13.4 months, the um, patients that had the abdominal hysterectomy plus chemotherapy, that was associated with an improved survival Mm -hmm. on both univariate and multivariate analysis when you compare it to the chemotherapy alone group. Um, Now, we also did a propensity score matched analysis, and this, too, demonstrated superior median survival uh, for the group that had the abdominal hysterectomy plus chemotherapy. So it was 19.8 months versus 11 months. 
Yeah, so very convincing that the the addition of the of the hysterectomy impacted the the outcomes, and and one of the things that that uh, you know one always wonders, and I wonder if you actually had information about this, was there any difference with regards to the groups uh, as it pertained to whether you got treated in a community center versus a major academic center? Uh, in our study, the all survivors very similar for patients treated in community versus academic centers. So I'm sorry, because that didn't come across very clearly. What was the answer to that? The survival is very similar for patients treated in community versus academic centers. Okay, so it was similar. Um, very interesting to know that. And and what about the number of metastatic sites? Uh, did it correlate with the outcome of these patients? Because, I don't know, I would wonder if there's just like one distant site versus multiple, that the outcomes may not be the same. Yeah, no, just, just as we sort of predicted and, and, and thought we would see, uh, we did see that the patients with more metastatic sites had a worse overall survival. Um, but, you know, importantly... Patients who have multiple metastatic sites still benefited from the abdominal hysterectomy. Mm. So there there didn't seem to be a subgroup of patients that wouldn't benefit from having the abdominal hysterectomy. Yeah, so that the results still held through. Um, And then another question is the histologic subtype. Um, You know, do, do you have a sense as to for one histologic subtype, I should really just choose chemotherapy and not chemotherapy? with hysterectomy, or, or does it make a difference? Uh, we did perform a subgroup analysis according to patient histology group, including the mature adenocarcinoma, serous, clear cell, lyomyosarcoma, and carcinosarcoma. We found uh, the surgery had survival benefit for all histology group, except patient had lyomyosarcoma. Okay, so for all the histologic except sarcoma, interesting. Um, and then one other thing is that, uh, you know, I wonder, is there a difference if you have metastatic disease to the lung versus metastatic disease to the brain as to what the outcomes might be uh, with regards to this question? Right, we, we were interested in that question as well. So we did break it down, did a subgroup analysis according to location, and we found that patients that had uh, brain metastases had a worse overall sur- survival, really, um, among all of the metastatic sites. And um, the abdominal hysterectomy, like I said before, you know, improved survival for all sites, mm-hmm. but interestingly, not for those patients with brain metastases. It seemed like mm-hmm. patients with brain metastases did not benefit. Now, remember, that was a small group of patients. There were only 56 patients. Mm-hmm. But... We really question whether or not, you know, an aggressive surgical procedure should be performed in patients who present with brain matters. Yeah. And then this next question comes to us from one of our fellows, and I think uh, it's, it's a very good question, interesting question. And, and he asks, uh, his name is Eric Estrada. He's from uh, Guatemala. Um, his question is, the, any data on the criteria for operability in these patients? And, and the question is, well, certainly... One might think that, yes, the patients who had surgery had perhaps um, lower volume disease, uh, were in much better general overall status, 
um, less advanced disease in terms of the primary tumor. So was it that the surgery group just had a more favorable profile? This is a retrospective study, and we agree there are limitations. Unfortunately, the NCDB did not cut the data for patients' uh, operability, patients' performance status, and the patients' metastatic disease burden. And uh, we totally agree, yeah, we do have limitations for our study. Yeah. And, and now, uh, you know, certainly I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts with regards to the incorporation of radiotherapy. We've been talking about chemotherapy and surgery. So it, it, it at least it's seen that if you do all three, uh, you know, certainly surgery, chemotherapy, and radiotherapy, that the outcomes may be um, better. Um, in, in, your, in your mind, and I certainly as you see the results of the study, uh, is there a, an ideal sequence for those three uh, treatment interventions? You know, the, um, there were only 143 patients in our group that had all three interventions, so we weren't really able to break it down uh, and, and kind of come up with the best sequencing. Um, but it seemed like the, the majority of the patients did start with surgical resection mm -hmm. and then had radiation therapy and followed up with, with systemic chemotherapy. Um, but we really couldn't get a def definitive answer on why or whether or not one is better than another. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that that kind of follows the, the sequence that uh, that we see in our routine practice here as well. Um, now, the next right. question, uh, you know, some might argue that the medium follow-up, I believe it was 13.4 months, that that may be too short and that if there was a longer follow-up, perhaps there would not have been a difference. What would you say to uh, someone making that argument? Yeah, the majority of our patients died within three years after diagnosis. The short media survival is due to the short media survival. The short media follow-up is due to the short media survival for this group of patients. Uh, actually, our other paper reported the media survival is around 15 months. Mm -hmm. We do have a longer follow-up for those patients to live up to five years. At five years of follow-up, the surgery is still associated with better survival compared to patients that don't have surgery. So even at the, at the extended follow-up, so very interesting as well. Um, right. Now, th this next question comes from Sarah Nasser. She's in Germany. Um, and her question is, could you clarify for the surgical cases uh, what type of surgery was performed in, 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 in terms of just a hysterectomy or was it... Uh, an additional effort at tumor reductive surgery, and was it possible from the data available to know the extent of the intra-abdominal or peritoneal disease in these patients? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's one of the limitations of doing these kinds of studies using, you know, the National Cancer Database. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only, um, only so much data that's captured uh, it's not like you're, you're individually coding each chart to, to figure out exactly what type of surgical procedure was performed. I mean, in these large databases, we, you know, we know that they had an abdominal hysterectomy, but we don't know, you know, what other type of surgical procedure was performed. Mm -hmm. And we know that they, um, you know, had distant metastatic disease, but we don't know details about, you know, intra-abdominal or peritoneal metastases. I mean, that's just sort of an, an unfortunate 
part of using databases like that, but and that's why we consider this data to be sort of hypothesis generating and not really a definitive answer. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, Matt, and I think it's important to highlight that to our audience in that, you know, often when we get a national cancer database type of uh, studies, we, we have a tremendous number of patients, but also that comes along with some of the details that you exactly alluded to. So I'm glad you, you highlighted that. Um, next question comes from Emma Allison in, uh, in Australia. And um, she notes that in your subgroup, Forest Block, there are two, she calls them interesting groups that seem to stand out in terms of benefiting most from hysterectomy and chemotherapy. The uh, uh, patients with a high number of comorbidities and patients with clear cell histologies. Um, she states that these are two groups that one would assume would generally perform poorly. Can you elaborate a little bit more about uh, these, uh, these patients? Uh, on the subgroup analysis, uh, we included uh, the P interaction volume for each subgroup. The P interaction volume for both uh, comorbidity score and for histology are all much higher than 0 0.05. Mm -hmm. This means there's not a significant difference on survival benefit from surgery for patients with comorbidity more than two versus patient comorbidity zero or equal to one. The same applies for patient with clear cell histology versus patient with other histology. Excellent. And now, um you know, the, the issue of race and ethnicity, and we've had several podcasts about this, particularly in the setting of uh, endometrial cancer. Um, you know, certainly those could be associated with different survival, depending on, on the race, and particularly African-Americans. Um, we see often worse uh, survival outcomes. Um, I believe that in this study, you didn't see any differences, and the question from Ceci Darin in Argentina is, why do you think this was the case? Yeah, well, we were kind of surprised by that finding as well. We, we expected to see some differences according to race, uh, as had been previously uh, described. And, and we, you know, again, we're using uh, a large database, so it could be, of course, it could be something unique mm -hmm. to this specific patient population, or, or it could just be a side effect of using the database. Um, another thing is that there's short median survival for uterine cancer with distant metastases. So maybe we're just not picking up on differences. We, we kind of um, found that to be a very interesting finding as well. Yeah. And now, you know, I think this question, <laughs> you probably both could elaborate extensively, uh, uh, and, and it is particularly discussing the role of radiotherapy in these patients. Uh, what, what should be the approach in integrating radiotherapy when you see a patient like that? When we see a patient with endometrial cancer, with distant metastases, you know, we, we mentioned the sequence of perhaps surgery followed by chemotherapy, but I'm also interested in, in hearing from you, are, are we focusing on brachytherapy, pelvic radiation, uh, extended field? What, how, how do we incorporate radiotherapy in this patient population? In our study, we only found uh, 143 patients had all three interventions, and uh, their survival is much better. 
almost the best. However, due to the small number of patients, we cannot universally recommend the radiation in addition to surgery and chemotherapy for every single patient. However, we think it is reasonable to recommend radiation for younger patients with good performance status uh, and patients with more advanced local pelvic or abdominal disease. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, um, you know, it, it seems as though surgical resection is adding uh, quite a bit to the overall survival of these patients, and that's got to be through some local mechanism. And we view radiation therapy as a local modality uh, that would probably, you know, have additional benefit. It just makes sense if that a local surgical procedure is going to be of benefit, um, that adding or sort of finishing the job locally with post-operative radiation therapy should also be of benefit. And, and, and Matt, I'm, I'm interested in uh, following up on that, and I'd love to hear your, your comments. Um, you know, what about for that same similar, you know, patient population where somebody might say, well, why surgery? Let's just do radiation followed by chemotherapy. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, you, re you need a very high dose of radiation therapy to control uterine cancer without surgical resection. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's an interesting sort of um, question to ask, but traditionally uterine cancer would be treated with surgery and then radiation therapy. So, I mean, this kind of is continuing to build upon what we already know works. Mm -hmm. Great. So now um, limitations, uh, you know, certainly obviously large uh, cancer database, lots and lots of patients, what would you highlight as the limitations of this particular study? Well, again, it all comes down to the use of this database specifically. You know, you don't have the exact number of metastatic lesions. Um, you don't have exact or specific chemotherapy agents. You don't know about salvage therapies that may or may not have been used. Uh, one of the questions earlier was about performance status, and unfortunately this database doesn't really and tell you much about that. Um, so, you know, there are limitations. Uh, so we're not putting this out there as the new standard of care, but we, we think this is, you know, really intriguing uh, and hypothesis generating and is in line with, with where we see other diseases going. You know, we're much more aggressive with uh, lung cancer, for example, in patients who have uh, metastases of presentation. So, you know, this is not something that's completely out of left field. It's not something completely new. It is in line with what we're seeing in other disease sites. Mm -hmm. and, and as a follow-up to that, one of the questions Sarah Nasser had is that you seem to have some pretty long-term survivors. Um, you know, certainly it, it seems that there will be a benefit to the hysterectomy uh, in, in that setting, even if it's what one would call a palliative uh, hysterectomy, would that be the case? Uh, I think so. Based on the couple of mile survival curve, even at five years of follow-up, the surgery is still associated with better survival. Yeah, so it, it certainly, it seems like all around from this study is uh, it keeps consistently coming back to that point of uh, hysterectomy does benefit the patient. Um, this is another question from uh, from uh, Sarah Nasser in Germany, Alaska, Matt. Um, she says, this is a topic that we often discuss with our patients who present with advanced stage disease. 
And we wouldn't routinely offer this unless patients are uh, symptomatic. Often there's a lot of anxiety surrounding the topic of keeping the uterus from the, from the patient's perspective. Um, are you aware of patient data on quality of life and patient's perspectives or, or expectations on performing a hysterectomy in the setting of distant metastases? Yeah, again, the NCDB database didn't capture uh, quality of life, but I think that that would make a really interesting, um, you know, follow-up study uh, that, that absolutely needs to be done, looking at quality of life in these patients. Yeah, and um, the, uh, another question from Spain, Natalia uh, Rodriguez, uh, uh, she, she wants to know, in the near future for patients with peritoneal disease, Um, do you think that we will need to treat patients with advanced uh, uterus carcinoma in the same way as advanced ovarian cancer, um, complete cytoreduction, reduction, and chemotherapy? Yes, I do think so. The current NCCN guideline recommends total abdominal hysterectomy with debulking plus chemotherapy for uterine cancer with pelvic or abdominal abdominal metastasis. And, uh, and now, uh, as we, we come to the, uh, to the conclusion of our uh, podcast, uh, one additional question is, do we think we need a prospective randomized study to implement uh, this as a, as a standard strategy moving forward based on level one evidence? Absolutely. I mean, this is a retrospective study. You know, we view this as hypothesis generating. And uh, like any good hypothesis generating study, it's supposed to leave you with more questions than answers. Um, so do we want to look at quality of life? Yes. Do we think that this needs to be uh, looked at in a, in a randomized clinical trial? Absolutely. Uh, I think that is warranted and, and should be the focus of attention. Well, fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with you on this, uh, on this very important topic. Uh, again, congratulations for uh, putting this work together. Uh, congratulations for publishing it in, in JAMA as well. Um, and uh, thank you once again uh, for taking the time and speaking with me about your manuscript. Thank you very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.